0: Thank you for listening to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And in today's episode, we find ourselves in Psalm 48. Psalm 48 is generally classified as a Zion Psalm. And by that, we mean it emphasizes the city of God. It emphasizes the place where God has chosen to dwell. In just a moment we're going to read Psalm 48. But you notice a reference to the city of God in verse 1, in verse 2, and twice in verse 8. Mount Zion is used in verse 2 and verse 11. The term Zion is used by itself in verse 12. And then in verse 1, or verse 9, excuse me, the term temple is used. But I also want you to notice as we read this psalm. This psalm will begin and end not with a mention of Zion, but with a mention of God. So this psalm, while it is a Zion psalm, it is a psalm about the city of God. It is more about the God who dwells in this city. Listen to these words. Psalm 48... A song, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, this holy city, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in far the far north, the city of the great king god in her palaces has made himself known as a stronghold for lo the kings assembled themselves they passed by together they saw it then they were amazed they were terrified they fled in alarm panic seized them there anguish as of a woman in childbirth with the east wind you break the ships of Tarshish as we have heard so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts in the city of our God God will establish her forever we have thought on your loving kindness O God in the midst of your temple as in your as is your name O God so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Count her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may tell it in the next generation. For such is God, our God, forever and ever. Ever, He will guide us until death. Looking at Psalm 48, as we stated, it begins with a praise of God. It emphasizes, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. This psalm is first and foremost about God. And the city of Zion takes special significance because of the God who dwells there. It is said, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain. The holy mountain of God was mentioned in Psalm 2.6, Psalm 3.5, Psalm 15 and verse 1. The Bible talks about the mountain of the Lord's house being established as top of the mountains and all nations flowing into it in Isaiah 2, verses 2-4. through But here the city of our God, His holy mountain. And notice in verse 2 that this city is described as beautiful in elevation, the joy of. Of the whole earth, in Psalm fifty, verse two, Zion is spoken of as the perfection of beauty. In Lamentations two fifteen, Jerusalem has been destroyed, and, it's, and they are lamenting the destruction of the city. But it is described as the city that was described as the perfection of beauty, a joy, to the whole earth. Now, the natural beauty of Zion would not surpass that of other Palestinian mountains. As one writer said, geographically and aesthetically, there is nothing remarkable about Mount Zion. It's neither as high nor as attractive as the mountains around it. Even the Bible itself bears witness to the fact that the mountains around Jerusalem are higher than it is in Psalm 135, in verses 1 and 2. Contemplate that. Maybe this passage is about something more than a literal city. But in verse 2, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion in the far north the city of the great king in the new testament in matthew 5:35 jesus warned us not to swear by jerusalem for it is the city of the great king but here mount zion is said to be in the far north now the word north is a translation of a Hebrew word, Zaphon, that some believe should be transliterated here. Zaphon held the significance to the Canaanites that Olympus did to the Greeks. It was a place where the gods dwelt. And in Canaanite theology, on Mount Zaphon, gods such as Baal met But what you see here is that Mount Zion is described as Zaphon. Or it's described as being in the far north. As Peter Craigie says, the psalmist is affirming that all the aspirations of the people on earth for a place on earth for the gods to dwell are fulfilled in Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the real dwelling place of the true God. And not on Mount Zaphon or Mount Olympus or any other place. It is this city in Mount Zion in the far north that is the city of the great king. God is in her palaces, verse 3 says. He has made himself known as a stronghold. God is the chief resident of the city. God is the stronghold and the protection of the city. And this city strikes fear in the heart of those who would want to destroy it, as verses 4 through 8 describe. Verses 4 through 8 describe the kings of the earth, The kings of the earth binding together, assembling themselves together, and seeing this city of Zion, and being amazed, being terrified, and fleeing in alarm. Julius Caesar said, I came, I saw, I came, I conquered. Here, these kings saw, and they came, and they fled. For they were terrified at God's presence in Zion. They assembled themselves, they saw the city, but they are terrified and in alarm they flee away and panic seizes them. Anguish as of a woman in childbirth. Anguish seizes them. The east wind comes and breaks The ships of Tarshish. The ships of Tarshish were particularly notable in the Old Testament as mentioned in the time of Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 22, as mentioned in Ezekiel 27 verses 25 and 26. But you see, God sends the wind to break into these mighty ships. In ancient Near Eastern theology, Baal was believed to control the storm. But it's not Baal who controls the storm. It is the Lord, Yahweh, who controls the storm and can break the ships in pieces. In the city of our God, these things have happened. And the writer says, we have heard and so we have seen. We've witnessed the spectacular power of God in defending the city verse 9 stresses god's loving kindness and it says we've we thought on your loving kindness o god in the mist of the temple in the midst of the temple they are contemplating god god's glory god's loving kindness we thought on your loving kindness o god in the midst of your temple as is your name o god so is your praise in the ends of the earth your right hand is full of righteousness The loving kindness of God is perhaps his most important quality on the pages of the Old Testament. And as these people were in the temple, they contemplated that loving kindness in verse 9. God's righteousness, His righteousness and His justice are characteristic of His throne. But verse 10 says, Your right hand is full of righteousness. And in verse 11 it says, Let Zion be glad, let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. The loving kindness of God, the righteousness of God, the judgments of God are contemplated in the house of God verses 12 and 13 take us on a tour of the city of Jerusalem walk about Zion go around her count her towers and consider her ramparts go through her palaces that you may tell it to the next generation but after the description of the tour of Jerusalem in verses thirteen and 14, verse thir- verses 12 and 13, verse 14 concludes by saying, For such is God. Not such is Zion, but such is God. You see that Zion is not the key of Psalm 48, but the God who dwells there. And the city takes on an almost magical aura because of the God who dwells there. Not because of the city itself, but because of God and the temple and everything about the city takes on renewed interest in light of who God is. Was there a specific time in history in which Psalm 48 was fulfilled. We find in verse 4 the word assembled. The kings assembled themselves. That word is used in Joshua 11 verse 5 of kings in the northern part of Canaan assembling themselves to fight against the army of Joshua. They were defeated in that quest. In 2 Kings 18 and 19, we read of Sennacherib invading the city of Jerusalem and bringing mighty forces, the most powerful army on the earth. And yet God killed 185,000 outside the city walls of Jerusalem. In these events, we see the type of things described that are described in Psalm 48. In verses 4 through 8, we see a powerful God who defends and protects His city. These words found a fulfillment in those events, but these words find a deeper fulfillment in Jesus. Psalm 48 is exalting this city, Zion the temple, Zion, because it embodied the presence of God. But what was embodied in the temple and what was embodied in the city was fulfilled in Jesus. You remember in John 2, after Jesus cleansed the temple, they asked, What sign do you do? To show that you have this authority. Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. They said, we've been building this temple 46 years. And are you going to rebuild it in three days? But he was talking about the temple of his body. That's in John 2 verses 13 through 22. You see, Jesus is God dwelling among man. And Jesus fulfills all the temple was meant to embody. We see that in John 2. We also see that in John 4. In John 4, when we see the Samaritan woman speaking with Jesus, she asks him whether we should worship, whether people should worship. In Mount Gerizim, where the Samaritans worship. Or in Jerusalem, Jesus said we should worship in Jerusalem. But the hour is coming in which now is in which the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. It is the city of which Psalm 48 is written. But just as this city embodies the presence of God, So now that is embodied in his person, Jesus is saying in John 4, verses 19 through 24. And I think it's striking to see how some of the vocabulary from the Greek translation of Psalm 48 is used of Jesus in the New Testament. Let me illustrate. In verse 4 of Psalm 48, when it tells us the kings assembled themselves, the kings assembled themselves against this city, we said that in Jesus the presence of God is embodied. All that was true of the city, all that was true of the temple, is embodied in the person of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, the Bible talks about how Herod and Pontius Pilate gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. They gathered together against God's holy servant, Jesus. (coughs) The word "gathered together in Acts 4, 26 and 27 is the same Greek word used in the Septuagint of Psalm 48, verse 4. You see, the kings of the earth gathered together. They assembled themselves against the Christ. They assembled themselves, and the text says they saw it in Psalm 48, verse 5. They saw it, and they were Amazed. Now the word that is used and translated amazed in the Greek translation of the Old Testament from Psalm 48, verse 5, is used in the New Testament of Pilate being amazed at the silence of Jesus before him. Matthew 27, verse 14. Mark 15, verse 5. It's used of Pilate in Mark 15, verse 44, when they came to Pilate and told him that Jesus was dead already, he was amazed. They have assembled themselves against the Christ, against the Lord's anointed, and they are amazed at him. They're amazed at him. And the Bible says in verse 6, panic seized them. Panic sees them. Now, the word that's translated panic in Acts, in, in Psalm 48, verse 6, in, in the Septuagint translation, that word panic is used just a few times in the New Testament, but one of them is Mark 16, verse 8, to talk about how the women were terrified when they heard the news that Jesus. Have been raised. Now, truly, that's not the kings of the earth who have assembled themselves against the Christ. This is His own followers who are terrified. But if they are terrified, if they panic at the Christ being raised, how much more will unbelievers panic at that thought? In Jesus, is embodied all that's represented by the city of Jerusalem and by the temple of God. In Jesus, God's presence with man is seen, and this psalm finds its greatest fulfillment in him.